0: As we enter into the Word of God always, uh, we should enter in prayer with our hearts bowed
1: and uh, our ears and eyes ready to receive what the Lord has for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, this Tuesday, this day of double blessing, Lord, because in your creation, Lord, you said it was good twice when you created on the third day. So, Father God... It's just like that wedding at Cana when you turned the water into wine on the third day of the Jewish wedding. We thank You, Lord, that we have this privilege and honor to not only learn more about Your Word and who You are, but also learn more about Your infinite design and Your perfect creation of everything, not only within us and around us, Lord Jesus. So as we enter into the study, I pray, Lord, that you open our hearts, that you open our ears, and you open our eyes, and Holy Spirit, let your conviction and let your revelation be clear to us this day. So Lord, we just um, give you all the glory and the honor for your perfect design and how you have given us your word to be able to understand the times that we live in to be able to take your word as a lens and shine your light and focus those rays of light into our circumstance every single day. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So yes, today is the second part of, of, of our study on Jesus, the word of God, and DNA. And last week we obviously touched on the macrocosm, which is the universe and the galaxies and and that there is a mathematical formula and God's fingerprint is over everything in creation. And now we're going to start bringing it down into, you know, because I ended with the architecture of man, but now we're going to bring it down into more specifics and you're going to be so amazed how the Word of God and how we, in the image and likeness of God, are actually so perfectly lined up, and we, um, so today we're going to be doing a bit of an anatomy lesson. And uh, yeah, this is as I said last week. This is stuff that they should have been teaching us at schools. Yeah, lining the word of God up. So the first question is, how how was the Bible written? Yeah, uh, the original Hebrew and Greek texts were written on scrolls, made of papyrus or vellum. Now, vellum was animal skins, okay? And up until about 100 AD, which was when the first codex, or which is the book format that we know today, was first started being used. So this is what's known as a codex. Before all the texts were recorded on scrolls. So, the, the Codex in its existence, as we see the Bible today, was not in existence at the time of Jesus and before then. So, all the scholars and everything were written on scrolls on either papyrus, which uh, was obviously comes from the papyrus reed, um, which in the scripture, obviously, God refers to Egypt as the bruised reed, the papyrus. And then the vellum, uh, the animal skins, and they used to take the. Calf skins, uh, a a number of different, but generally it would be calf skins and then they would write their text on these skins, because obviously the durability of the vellum was not, the papyrus became very fragile after a while. Um, So, and what's interesting, the first book that was ever printed on the printing press, the Gutenberg Press, was the German version of of, of the Bible. And that was the first Bible or first book that was ever printed on the printing press was this codex of this or the German version of this Bible so the scroll um, as it is rolled up the scroll. so the rabbis would bring their teachings and they would unroll the scrolls and they would give the the reading from the Torah and then they would roll the scrolls up and put them back in their their little place and, and they would have a sequence of reading these scrolls now as discussed last week, what's interesting is the scroll also has the same ratio and I discussed this number which is um, well the renaissance mathematicians call it the Fibonacci sequence or the golden ratio or the God spiral but this is God's ratio this is his mathematical formula for everything in his design and to just give a quick recap of how it works It's basically, it's an order of procession of the numbers, so you take the number and the number preceding that and you sum it together. So 1 plus 1 is 2, 1 plus 2 is 3, 2 plus 3 is 5, 3 plus 5 is 8, 8 plus 5 is 13, 13 plus 8 is 21, 34, 55, 89, and interestingly 144, which is the 12th procession of this ratio. 144,000 that were sealed. I mean, incredible. So, th- this is working, and 12 represented the completion of God's promise. 12 tribes, 12 foundations, 12 apostles, you yeah, know, everything is always by design. And, and if we look in Isaiah, um, is that 34? Yeah. It says, and all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. This is God saying the heavens can be rolled up like a scroll. And in Revelation uh, 6, he talks about, and the heavens departed as a scroll when I rolled together and away from the mountain and the island were moved out of their places. So God here in his word is comparing the heavens to a scroll. So if we look at a scroll and the way these scrolls were, and this is how, this is one of the ancient manuscripts and you look at the spiral design of that galaxy, you can see why God has said, I can roll them up like a scroll. The same mathematical formula applies in the scroll. And this is the written word of God. But another thing that, that, that came to me is quite interesting. Is this animal skins, the vellum, The written word of God. So they used to write it on these animal skins. Does that ring a bell to some of you about the garden of Eden and Genesis? Mm. Genesis 3, where the Lord fashioned garments from animal skins for Adam and and his wife and clothed them after they had eaten of that fruit. So in the Hebrew, the word means to cover, to wrap around, to put a robe or a garment on it's not referring to the actual physical organ of the skin but it's referring to this covering that they received so they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves but God gave them an animal skin and isn't it not very interesting that the scribes would write the written letters of the word of God on animal skins (coughs) and if we Look in Revelation 3 when Jesus is talking to um, the church of Laodicea. And he says, uh, I have counseled thee to buy gold, for, buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou may, mayest be clothed, and that thy shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyesolve, that thou mayest see. It's referring to the same illusion here in Genesis 3, you know, in Genesis 2 it actually talks about man and woman were naked and were not ashamed, is what the Hebrew says. And then after eating of the they, they realized they were naked. And so God clothed them with an animal skin. And here is the promise to the church that Jesus is going to give us a garment and a robe and clothe us so that we not need, need be ashamed. And this is this robe of righteousness that is referred to throughout the scriptures. The robe of righteousness is actually the undergarments to the armor of God. And uh, we'll get into this, but you have the robe of righteousness and there's also what's called the cloak of zeal that the prophets used to speak about. And then Paul would use that analogy and he used it like a Roman soldier. But that's discussing the components of the armor of God. But this robe, this white linen robe of righteousness, which basically the white refers to the cleansing or the atonement of the sins so that our sins are washed whiter than snow and the scarlet removed. And this is the robe and the cleansing. So now, if we bring this in line to the Word of God, what does the Word of God do? We are washed by the water of the Word. But there, they were writing on animal skins. So it, it lines up so incredibly. And the other thing is, is silver is, is something that's very prevalent in the Word of God. And silver def- refers to the purification. I mean, obviously, we've, we've heard this, the story of being refined as silver, but it's a symbol of redemption in the Bible and purification. And in Psalms 12, it says, For the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Now, in the Hebrew mindset, this concept of sevenfold or seven times um, refers to complete purification. Purification. And and that the seventh is the day of rest or the Sabbath, the day at which God's people entered into the rest of God. Because he on the sixth day he finished his work, and the seventh day was the was the completed work of God. And in and Jesus refers to the, this concept as well as far as how, how many times are we supposed to forgive those? And what does he say? Seventy times seven. And this is that concept. That is that is coming through because this is this is from the Hebrew mind sevenfold is complete forgiveness and come to point of rest. So in the book of Proverbs verse seventeen it says, the finding pot is for silver, and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. So we are coming into this. what what is the word silver actually referring to, and then. What is God really focused on? Is focused on our hearts. And obviously coming in from our previous series, Creating Me a Clean Heart, this is now, you know, the Lord is the one who tries our hearts as silver. And then in Zechariah, verses 13, it says, And I will bring the third part through the fire and, and will refine them as silver is refined. And I will try them as gold is tried. And they shall call on my name and I will hear them and I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. So this is this process of refinement and redemption in, in the scripture. And this is also a warning of the folly of earthly riches and idols. And it's the promise of God's word to redeem us. So if we look at refining silver, removing impurities, I mean, this is an old blacksmith, and if, you, if quite interestingly enough, the way they used to do it, they would have those, um, I forget the word now, the, the ballast. Bellows. bellows, bellows. And the bellows was the breath which would stoke the fire and make it hotter. So now we take the Holy Spirit as the breath of God, and the Word of God as the breath of God to stoke that fire to increase the temperature, so that because if you look at the chemical process of of refinement, it needs to reach a certain temperature. and Unless it reaches that temperature, the dross is not going to be separated. Those impurities are not going to be separated. So this is just an old blacksmith with his bellow, and he's stoking that fire. And this just gives us a good indication. Now, silver in the, the Word of God, if we, if we take it to... Because last week I spoke about the shofar, and I spoke about the, the spiral of the ram's horn and how that ratio um, also matches up. Now, silver... What's interesting, in the temple of God, they had two silver trumpets. They weren't shofars that they were using. They were they, it was a silver trumpet. And in the Greek, it's called a salpinx. And this, these silver trumpets... Um, that they had in the temple, and also in the wilderness, in the tabernacles, the posts of the tabernacle rested on silver sockets as well. So in the book of Numbers it says, Make two trumpets of silver, and of the whole piece thou shalt make them, and they shall be for me them a calling of the assembly, and for the journeying of, of the camps." And whether they shall blow with them, all the assembly shall assemble themselves and, and, and be at the door of the tabernacle of the conversation. Now, what's interesting, that two is used very significantly in the scripture. It is a significant number. Because one of the things is, in the Hebrew, um, plural is three. They don't have a, a number two. So it's one and three in Hebrew, in their counting system. Plural is three. So try unity trinity of God or Elohim as he said is three. So but two what we have is the Old Testament and the New Testament. So we have the law fulfilled by Jesus the word of God. Jesus says I did not come to replace the law and the prophets but I came to fulfill them. So the New Testament is the fulfillment of the promises of God and and the Word of God in the Old Testament. And another way of putting this is saying is that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed through Jesus. And the promise of refinement of the Word of God. um, and, and, And this really... You know, I just want to move on here, but this this is, is about God showing the former things, showing the latter things, and proving that He is so, because He has proved that He has written history before it happens. Yes. So people have no excuse to say, oh no, my idols, or "or I learned it from something else, or I knew this. So God wrote His Word so that He would declare history before it happened. And this, this scripture in Isaiah is is all about that. Okay? So he wrote history before itself because our God is is outside of time altogether. And and one of the things that you know we look at is our earthly and our spiritual treasures. And a wonderful man by the name of Charles Spurgeon said this. He says, you must keep all earthly treasures out of your heart and let Christ be your treasure and let him have your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we, we looked at the, the temple of God in the Creating Me a Clean Heart series and the architecture of, of the temple. Um, am I in people's way here? Can you see? Okay. So, we basically looked... This is Solomon's temple... Okay, and this, obviously these plans were given to David. And so you had the outer court, you had the inner court, you had the two pillars, Boaz and Joachim, you had the porch, you had the first door into the temple, which was the holy place where the, the implements of worship were, and then you had the veil... And inside the valley had the Holy of Holies with the Ark of the Covenant, which had the two tablets of stone, the law of, of God and, and Moses, and you had the hidden manna, uh, the angel's food inside there. And then if we look at the architecture, and this came out in the last series, is that the, the outer court is the body, our fleshly body. The, the inner court is our soul because here in the inner court was was the the altars and their the sacrificial altars and you had the molten labor which was for the consecration of the priests and then you also had five altars on each side which was for the sacrifices so we had five on each side so you had ten altars pretty much and one consecration of water that the priests had to go through so then you had the, the porch Boaz and Joachim, and what they mean, Boaz in, in the Hebrew means in his strength, and Wakim in the Hebrew means he will establish. So, I mean, the design of this has got Jesus all over it, and, and, and the, the instruments of worship inside the holy place all refer to the I am statements of Jesus. I am the light of the world, the menorah. I am the bread of life, the shoe bread. You know, I am the door to the sheep. Um, so... Here we have the willpower, and this is really our choice. So we come to a place where the atonement for our sins and our soul happens at these altars. And then we, we, we have the decision, do we accept into our heart Jesus? And obviously in the Holy of Holies, this is the dwelling place of God. And this is the Holy Spirit, the dwelling place that dwells in us, around us, and upon us. So, And then we also talked about these chambers for the priests on the outside of the temple, which was actually... um, I mean, that's kind of like your subconscious. But this is where the priests, even after all this process, they would keep their idols in in these chambers, which is amazing after all of this. So I just wanted to bring us back to this slide. And and take us through. So, the temple and the image of God. So, the the temple of Solomon had four parts. Now, man has four parts. We have the outer court, which is the body, the inner court, the soul. The holy place, the heart. And the holy of holies, the spirit. And if you look at Genesis 1, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image to be like me to be in the likeness and the image of God. And in the book of Acts, verses 47 to 50, this is an incredible chapter of Stephen, a man full of faith. And the Holy Spirit inspired him to literally give the Sanhedrin a history lesson. And uh, so from 47 it says, um, But Solomon built him a house, howbeit the Most High dwelleth, Not in temples made with hands, as said the prophet. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. And what house will ye build me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hands made all these things? So here Stephen is saying, this temple, this is not where God dwells. This is not his dwelling place. And if we we take this further, we look at Paul's address, uh, Paul's Mars Hill address when he arrives in Athens at the the center of wisdom of the world and Greek wisdom. And when 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 he gives his sermon on Mars Hill and he's walking past all these idols that these Greeks, these philosophers and all the scientists have got, and he comes to the statue, the statue of the unknown God. And so he gets up and I, he gets up and he starts telling the Athenians that I come to represent the unknown god and then he also gives them a lesson
0: yeah.
1: in god's wisdom not man's wisdom and, and and so I just want to highlight this okay that's in Acts 17 but this is a, a, a fantastic scripture where, where he's using the foolishness of their wisdom against them so he comes in with a hook and says, you know, I come to represent the unknown God. Because you know, the Greeks, they always wanted to cover all the bases. You know? So they had all their temples to Apollo and Zeus and, and, and all their different gods. And then they would always have one, okay, maybe there's an unknown God. So they had the statue to the unknown God just to make sure that they were covering all of their bases. So Paul comes and says, okay. Because Paul was educated by the highest Greek minds as well as the highest Hebrew minds. So he was an intellect of intellects. He was, he was a Jew of Jews and a Greek of Greeks. You know, he was, he was a son of the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, he was a scholar. He was educated by Gamaliel. So he knew all of the... And, and obviously, as being the apostle to the Gentiles, God used that knowledge mightily against it. So in here, I just wanted to highlight... That um, basically, that neither is he worshipped with, with human hands, as though he needed anything, and seemed to give with all life, health, and breath to things, and he made... So he, he's basically making the point that, that seeing the Lord of heaven and earth dwelleth not in temples made with hands, is the point he's making. So he's not made with stone, or gold, or silver, or these type of idols. And the point he's making to them is the folly of the building of these idols because God does not dwell in a physical temple. (coughs) So where does God reside? And it says, this is from Isaiah once again in, in 46, it says, Thus says the Lord, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. And this is what Stephen was quoting in Acts 17. So he's quoting this from the prophets and he says, where is the house that he built unto me, and where is the place of my rest? So that's, that's the Old Testament reference of that quote from Stephen. And in 1 Kings 8 verse 27 it says, But, God in, but will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold the heaven, and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, and how much um, less his, his house that I have builded." So, and in Chronicles, it talks about a house built by God, and this is the account of where David um, was, you know, obviously given the plans for the temple, and um, this is the section in here. But what's interesting is it said that that it says, "Behold, I build a house to the name of the Lord, and my God will dedicate it to Him, and burn offerings to Him, a sweet incense for a continual." Sure bread, and for the eternal offerings morning and evening, or the sabbaths and on the new moons, and on the solemn feast of the Lord. And this is the ordinance over Israel. And the house which I build is great, for great is our God above all gods, who is able to build him a house, seeing the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. Who am I, then, that I should build him a house, serve only to burn sacrifice before him? So, this is the Old Covenant now. So, this is under the law with the rituals and the atonement of sin being the sacrificial offering of, you know, and it varied depending on the type of sin and what it was for, the type of animal, the number of animals in the Levitical orders. But basically, this was under the Old Covenant. And the high priest was only allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies once a year to offer an atonement for the sins for the nation. And and place the blood of the sacrifice onto the bema seat, and such was the glory of God that the high priest used to have a, a cord tied around his ankle because he would literally pass out under the glory of God, and they would have to put him out. Um, so the throne of God is the heart, and then this is what it says in, in Second Chronicles. It says, "Now, now I was in the heart; it now it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house." For the name of the Lord, of God of Israel. Now this is Solomon talking. So God placed it in his heart to build him a house, to build him a temple. And Solomon got to build it. So I just wanted to highlight this particular point. Now, many of us are familiar with this drawing from Leonardo da Vinci. Now this is what's called the Vitruvian man. Okay? Are we familiar with this? And I want to introduce us into our studies now because we're going to deal with this, this, these topics later down the line. But it's important to realize that Leonardo da Vinci was a mystic, okay, and he was a Kabbalist. He used to follow Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism. And also he was involved in a lot of these secret societies with these mystery schools and religions. And what they use, this architecture of man, and on the right here, is showing the symmetry of architecture, because the masons were the builders. So a lot of their formulas that the masons use come from this drawing, because you see if there's a circle and a square, and all the, if you, if you join the intersecting points, they make angles and shapes, so this is what's called sacred geometry and how they use the design of a man to build their buildings. And then through their buildings, they know exactly what that means. So I just wanted to bring this in to this study, because this is what God's design is, and how the devil has tried to corrupt it. So we're coming back to God's perfect design. It's very clear in the New Testament God says that you and I are the temple of God. And in, in Corinthians um, you know, 6 and in Corinthians 3, um, you know, it's very, very clear. And it says, and you are, are you not the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? And if any man defile the temple of God, shall God destroy his temple, for God is holy, and which temple are ye? And in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 it says, says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, uh, uh, which is in you, and which which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It's very clear that under the new covenant, we, as Christians, are the temple of God. So, if we look at a a, a new life, I mean, last week we ended on on the embryo, and we we ended on the umbilical cords. But if we look at a new life, and a mother and a father, you know, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. So, Adam and Eve. So, what what happens is you, you have the seed and the egg okay and the, and at conception when that seed and that egg fuse life is created it's not after so many periods or so many cells that is when life is fused god has created this and what is interesting is that there are 46 chromosomes okay that come come from you know, when when life begins. So there's 23 chromosomes from the father and 23 from the mother. Well, it's actually 22 chromosomes from the father, 22 from the mother, and then the last chromosome, the 23rd, is the sex chromosome. And this is the X and the Y chromosome. So if it's an X and an X, then it will be a female baby. If it's an X and a Y, it will be a male. So there are 46 chromosomes in total, which make up the human chromosome map. Your book is written. I read this last week. Psalm 139. It says, "I formed your my internal organs, fashioning me within my mother's womb. I praise you because you are fearful and wondrous. Your work is wonderful, and I am fully aware of it. My frame." was not hidden from you while I was being created in a hidden place but together in the depths of the earth and your eyes looked upon my embryo and everything was recorded in your book the days scheduled for my formation were inscribed and even though not yet one of them had come yet how deep are your thoughts God how great is their number now, we, 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 if I had to count, they would then they would number more than the, the sand. And when I awake, I will be with you. So we look at here in the Hebrew. They didn't have a word for chromosomes and uh, uh, DNA and these types of things. But in the Hebrew and and in this. This is a bit more friendly. This is from the International Standard Version. I mean, they're talking about embryos. They're talking about frames. What is a frame? It's a skeleton. Talking about your organs. Talking about this book that was inscribed. What, what is he referring to here? And, and this was to David, um, you know, 3,000 years ago, before modern science had even come close to figuring out the mysteries of life. So we have the chromosomes and 22 from each parent, the X and Y, and determine the sex. Have a look at the the chromosomes of, of the human chromosomes. On the left, this is taken from an electron microscope. And then this is obviously under your regular microscope. Those are letters. These are the letters in our book. And... What's amazing is there's 46 letters, and the Word of God, the Old Testament, was written in Hebrew. The Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters. The New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek alphabet has 24 letters. 22 plus 24 is 46. 46 letters make up the Word of God, which make up the number of chromosomes in each and every one of us. So perfect is God's design. And you can see, these are letters. So, if we look at the skeleton and the structure, and we're going to look at the anatomy of how God... So, our letters are inscribed in us, and in our book. This is the DNA that God is talking about. But, let's look at the the actual frame. Because what is a frame? It frames a picture, or a frame of a building. It's the, the structure that holds up the, bo- the building. It's the support structures, the frames. So, if we look at the skeleton here, and you say, well, how many bones are in the skeleton? What is our frame? And the skeleton is divided into two main parts. You have what's called the the, the axial axial skeleton which is really our core ok and then you've got the auxiliary skeleton which is your limbs and from your pelvis down to your legs so your core axial skeleton will be your spine, your rib cage your thor- thorax and uh, you know so it, it and, and your skull and in there there are, are 80 bones get this The word temple appears 80 times in the New Testament. 80 bones in our core, 80 times the temple is mentioned. Every letter by design. The auxiliary, obviously the limbs, and this is your arms and your hands, and the skeleton provides three main purposes. Firstly, it provides the support of our body. It provides also the protection of our vital organs and it provides the motion and the movement without our skeleton we wouldn't be able to move or walk or form so it's providing three roles the skeleton and then what's interesting is there are five main systems that connect through the body and if we're now looking at this through the lens of scripture you're going to see how God is perfectly measured each and every one of us so we have the central nervous system we have the respiratory system the cardiovascular system the digestive system and the muscle system there's five main systems apart from the skeleton that run and obviously the creating me a clean heart we dealt with the cardiovascular system of the the inner man and then also there are five main senses we have You know, smell, sight, touch, taste, and hearing. Five and five. Five is also part of the God's ratio number. Okay? Um, And there were five altars of sacrifice within the front, within the inner court, on either side. So five is is significant in there. And if we look at, at... the body, our body, is like a mirror it's a reflection. If we had to cut ourselves down in half in the middle and we had to fold ourselves in on the skeleton, we have the left and the right side. We have the left hand and the right hand, the left brain, the right brain, left eye, right eye. left you know, I just you get it. so we could fold it it's a reflection, our body, on that so. And and, and this brings us to, you know, and this reflection is, so we have um, the left and the right side. We also have the old and the new man. We also have, you know, the two eyes, the two ears. And then we have the old covenant and the new covenant and the old testament and the new testament, two. Okay? So there is duality within our architecture and in our design from our skeletal structure and our sensory structure. And even if you look at our neuro-nervous system, the way it functions, it's exactly the same on both sides. Mm. So, but this brings me to an interesting scripture in 2 Corinthians. Because what he says here, he says, Paul says, you are our epistle written "...in our hearts, known and read by all men, and having been made plain for you the epistle of Christ, um, ministered by me, not having been written with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, and not in tablets of stone, but in the fleshly tablets of the heart." And this is, this is Paul referring to us as being and the fleshy tablets and the word epistle means letter. That's what the epistle means in the Greek. Epistilio means a letter. So if we're taking the letters of the word of God, the letters that are written, we are that reflection as Christians. And so, and later on, in, in that same chapter in Corinthians where he's talking about The mirror and the reflection and this is talking about the veil that while the law was being read they were blinded the veil was still over the law but with jesus our faces have become unveiled and we move from glory to glory and the reflection of the mirror this is what he's talking So we are the reflection, the unveiling of the new covenant, being ministers of the new covenant of Jesus Christ. And we are the letter. We are His letter. And this is to be an example for Him. But it's all in our architecture. And we look at the laws of God versus man. We have the two tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments, the law of God, which is the old covenant. We have two hands and two feet. Five fingers Ten fingers, ten commandments. Ten toes, ten commandments. Yeah, everything in our design. The laws of God were obviously written in stone. And then but Jesus fulfilled that law and he became an atonement for our sins. So that we may enter into the new covenant with God. And that we may have a new spirit placed in our heart. Being the fulfillment of the old. And then, and then in Second Corinthians, he, he talks about the, and, and this is what he said: for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. We know the scripture. So the letter of the law, or the old law, the the structure of it, it's the spirit that breathes life into our hearts. The the law itself was actually brings death. This is what uh, Paul says in Romans. He says the law came that sin may abound more. Because it was impossible for man to keep those rules, But Jesus provides the new covenant. So in Solomon's temple, it's a temple that's made from stone. We have the sacrificial altars, the five on the left and five on the right. We have the molten altar. I mentioned the 12,000 gallons. Um, The five altars, five senses, five systems, five fingers, five toes, left and right of the the pillars. Um, The blood of the offering... Uh, It was placed on the beamer seat, the mercy seat for the nation's atonement of sin. And then God's scale of justice talks about the left hand and the right hand of God. In the left hand, he has his justice and his wrath. and his right hand, he has his strength and his love and his grace. And so Jesus paid the price in full with his blood, the eternal sacrifice for all Mankind. And this is where Peter talks about this concept of us being living stones. In 1 Peter 2. And talks about us being a holy nation, a royal priesthood. We know the scripture. And it's, it's about that, that we are, this, this stone that the builders rejected... And to him being the cornerstone, and to those who reject the gospel, he's the rock of offense. He's the rock of stumbling. And this is the scripture. And, and, and Peter understood this, that we are living stones. Because the life. Last week I discussed the, descript- the, the structure of the outer ear and the inner ear. And how this ratio was exactly the same. One of the things, and I just want to add more to this, is that the inner ear is responsible for maintaining the body's balance. How do we maintain our spiritual balance? Hearers and doers of the Word of God. So not only hearing, because faith comes from hearing the Word of God, but... The works and the doing of the word of God brings that spiritual balance. Because there's no it, because I said, being a Christian is not an intellectual exercise, it's from the heart.
2: And this is what James is
1: talking about. He says, but become doers of the word and not hearers, and, and only deceiving your own selves. For if anyone hears the word of God and is not a doer, he's like a man studying his what? His natural face in a mirror. and after but he studied himself and went his way and immediately forgot what he looked like so true so true so if we've heard the word of god we don't reflect and understand this word and become a doer of the word it's just you know we've heard the saying in one ear and out the other mirror again bringing in the holy spirit is incredible with his choice of words his letters, the way he, he ties and brings it all together. And um, yeah, so I don't know if you want me to continue or are you quite happy? I just want to get. Hey? Okay, okay. Because yeah, there's lots more where this comes from. But it's absolutely incredible because God has designed us so perfectly in every facet. And When you apply his word to how we are made, fearfully and wonderfully made, it lines up every single time. Let's look at the human rib cage, the thorax, the system. How many ribs do we have? We've got 12 ribs on the left and 12 ribs on the right. That's 24 ribs. Okay? 24 ribs. So this now, this thorax, this is, protects our cardio and respiratory system, th- these bones around here. So you've obviously got the number of the ribs on either side, and if you look at the new Jerusalem in Revelations 21, you will see there are 12 foundations of the new Jerusalem, which was laid by the apostles, and there are 12 gates on either side, And these tribes, and and, and each gate is for the tribe of Israel, there are 24 elders in heaven. There were 24 courses of the priests, or rosters of the priests, as I discussed. You know, in the Solomon's Temple, they had a schedule, and there was 24 courses, so they would serve for two weeks at a time, and there were 24, and it would... Go in a cycle like that. And what is interesting, in the new Jerusalem, there is no temple. The Lord is the temple. There is no holy place and holy of holies. There's no more sacrifices. But there is the outer court and the inner court. There is those courts, but the actual architecture of it. So you have 12 foundations, 12 gates. 24 ribs, 24 elders. <laughs> we look at the lungs. <laughs> yeah, In the lungs, And our, in the first series I discussed about the structures of the heart and the chambers of the heart and the different soils in the heart. Okay, But I also spoke about the lungs being the respiratory, that the blood that was depleted of oxygen would go into the lungs And that we give breath and life back to the blood and then go into the rest of our body. What's also very interesting is the lung has what's called seven lymphatic vascular bundle nodes in our lungs. Okay? Seven. (laughs) This is no accident. So, in the spirit, there are seven spirits of God. These seven nodes... That's obviously, the, you've got, I mean, the, on the diagram, there's the bronchial nodes and all, the, all these here are t- different lymphatic nodes that are, that are actually around the lung structure. And if we look at uh, Isaiah 11, which is a scripture we all know about the seven spirits of God, that uh, and the spirit of Jehovah shall be upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of Jehovah. And, and this concept is taken further in Proverbs where it says, For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. The fear of the Lord is, is, is really, it's, it's one of the spirits of, her, of the Holy Spirit. And then in Revelation, it talks about the seven spirits in front of the, the throne of God, the lamps. And then that also comes from Zechariah 4 when it talks about the golden lampstand with the seven flames, the seven spirits. So all of those three scriptures, two or three witnesses, tying into there. So this spiritual breath, this respiration, because, you know, and in Leviticus uh, it says that, for, for the life of the soul is in the blood, and everything that has breath has life in the soul. So this is the lungs. So if we take the Holy Spirit, the heart is the throne of God. We've discussed this. We, we saw how David said he was set in his heart to build a house unto God, and so we've discussed the four chambers of the heart, uh, the four soils of the heart, and that the heart of heaven is God's throne room, and it's his throne. So, and also in the throne room, in Ezekiel and Revelation, we see that there are four beasts that surround the throne, these four chambers. And the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies was was carried by four Levitical priests as they put the post through. Every number, every detail is so significant and that the law is written on what? Not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of our heart. And this is that scripture. It's in, in, in Ezekiel and in Corinthians. Yeah, so it's, it's these fleshy tablets of our hearts that God has written His law. And Ezekiel said, it says, I will remove their stubborn heart or heart of stone, and I will give them a heart that is sensitive to me. The human spine. A child is born with 33 bones in their spine. Okay? now Jesus was crucified at the age of what? 33. By adulthood which is reached at the age of 21 when we are fully grown and fully matured 21 again is part of the God ratio number. Okay? So that's when we reach that and then If we look at the structure of the different bones in the spine, I mean, we can go right down to the finest detail here. We have the cervical bones, and there are five. It's also part of the ratio. We have the thorax bones, and there are 12, which is the center of the spine, and each of these control different parts of our muscle and nervous system coming from the spinal cord. So this is now controlling your... Your hands and your head and your your re- re- respiratory systems. This is contain your abdominal muscles, and actually that top one contains your diaphragm, and this one is your your legs and your movement, and then this one is your your bowel movements. So they're all the four parts. You see, it's four parts in the spine, again, and so you know if we look at the the system, we have five, and then we've got the thorax is twelve. Which 12 in scripture represents the completed promise of God. And where is that 12? That's covering our innermost parts. That's covering our vital organs. And then the, obviously you've got the, the lumber, which is then your legs, is five. And then you've got your uh, a, a scarab, what's it, yeah. Uh, which is also five. So this is all part in that sequence. Five is also in that number of sequence. And uh, in, in Exodus, this, this gives an interesting description because, you know, no man will ever see or has seen God. No man can see God and live. And we need to remember what the scripture says. That, you know, Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. But when Moses was on the mount of God, he begged God to show him a glimpse of him. And God told him to get into the cleft of the rock and he was going to show him his back. And he showed him his backward part. God showed him his spine. And Moses went white. So was the glory, such was the glory of Moses when he came down that mountain. He had to put a veil over his face. The people from the congregation could not look on his face. And and no man can see God and live. And so what's interesting, God showed him his spine, his backward parts. So the other thing is now the Freemasons have corrupted all this nonsense. Because the Scottish Rite of Freemasons have 33 degrees in their Freemasonry. But we're looking at God's architecture, so I'm showing you how He's designed us. But just slightly, we, we will get into the details of the, of the counterfeits, but let's just see how God designed us first. We look at the skull the skull, the human skull, has 22 bones in the skull. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the Hebrew has 22 letters in the alphabet the old covenant okay Jesus was the bringer of the new covenant and where was he crucified John chapter 17 we all know this he was crucified on Golgotha the place of the what the skull here we go now the curse to the tree As it says in Galatians, this skull and Jesus, there was a reason why he was crucified there. Not only his age, the place, the time, all of this. So that there can be no accident. I mean, now we're getting into the state of impossible probabilities here. How can it be possible that all of these things are all lining up to the Word of God? It's mathematically impossible to be incorrect. And and and, you know, so if you could just take these simple things about how we actually built in our architecture and our design, you know, there there can be no accident. And 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 this is the other thing is that in Revelation and the book of Revelation has twenty two chapters, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And in Revelations 22, he says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be what? In their foreheads. <laughs> I think we, we can... Are You guys... I mean, I'm just... Consider of time. I
3: think
1: maybe we should wrap up now. Okay, absolutely. But the overload stage. No, no, well, I don't want to overload you. I just no, want I to you give you guys in, in measure But every single part of us is so perfectly designed
0: mm.
1: from, you know, and, and this continues. I mean, I... There's much more to this, but I want to just highlight the glory of God and the absolute majesty when He says that we are made in His likeness and His image and His mark is upon us and He's written, written our members in, in the book and inscribed the order and the sequence thereof
2: so Perfectly.
1: So really, God, take your glory, you know. Yeah. So when you just look at anatomy, yeah, I wish I was taught this at school.
3: Yeah. Now you know why they're trying to get all the teachings out of
1: school. Well, they and took they the Bible question, out of school. You know this, yeah. yeah. But this is—I mean—you you can't make this stuff up. Uh-huh. <laughs> there's, too, there's, too, there's too much to be coincidence. Or, yeah. Or quite luck. Yeah. It's the difference between impossible and God possible. God is the God of the possible. And when we just look at ourselves and our structure, and, we'll, and I want to continue this process, because really He deserves such glory and honor for His perfect work. And that how we are now the living temples, the living stones of God on this earth. And we are the unveiled faces that are supposed to reflect God's glory and design to others. Because God has said that, you know, by being hearers and doers of the word, that by our love to others, they will know that we are different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we could take it in the simple things a child can understand this. Mm-hmm.
3: Even so if. In, children will, make it, will find it easier to understand because they don't have the. Is it true or is it the
1: true syndrome? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, don't, they haven't been corrupted, their filter is still pure. So, I'm just amazed, you know, and just every little part and component, when you just start looking at the little things, and it's the invisible things, yeah. to the visible things, that God's hand and fingerprint is all over our lives and His hand is always upon us and around us. Even though we don't feel it, mm-hmm. we might be going through a night season, or we might have gone through a time where we feel that there's, there's no breakthrough coming in our life, but we look at the great lengths that God has gone to design us. I mean, the Bible says that our calling and election are sure, from before the foundation of the world. absolute all.
2: Thanks, Craig. Mm. Very interesting. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Thank you
3: uh, you're talking about having um, gifts and rights and, and offices. Um, I, I went and on a, a tour to Peru and took in a lot of the stuff about the, uh, the, the old Peruvian original people and that and the if you look at the globe, uh, we're actually here and produced directly opposite And one of the, 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 the religious laws that was carried forward as the history was that a man appeared who they described as we described as we, Jesus. and He appeared from the water, from the sea. That's correct. And, and um, he brought to Peru the end of human sacrifice after after he had lived there was no more sacrifice before. so it's amazing how the how Jesus our Jesus that we talk about was the end of all sacrifices of love. and he grew at the same period more or less in time Jesus a Jesus, their Jesus, their Jesus brought an end
1: to sacrifice it's amazing Uh, You're you're absolutely correct and, uh, you know, I mean this series is is obviously dealing with architecture and design, but we will be getting into the seasons of God and the appointed times. We'll be getting to the Gospel and the stars and the heavens, but we'll also be getting into all this mythology and all these fables and all these histories and stories and how there's such commonality between them, exactly like what happened in Peru what happened with the Incas and the Mayans and the Aztecs and the Egyptians and even the Polynesian islands, yeah. the Samoans and, you know, these legends and the Hawaiian islands, all tied together. And you see, the one thing is that God never changes His name for places. He never changed His law. It's man who's changed the name of places, but on God's map, that's where that location is. And, and when you you'll see in the Hebrew, the definitions of the names of towns and the definitions of the names of people actually bring more significant meaning than actually, you know, we just think it's a name. But what you will realize is that every one of us, our names that we are called, are by God's design. Incredible. So, is there any particular need that anyone has? Anything that we want to pray through? Because obviously we will end in prayer and have communal prayer, and it's important. I know you want to. No,
0: I'm fine. Are you sure? Yeah, I've been prayed for already. Wow, you can and never. The Lord is me, so
1: I'm fine, thank you. Okay. Hey, yeah. your body, how are you doing?
0: Much better, thanks, and praying for you. We trust
1: for you. That's it. Absolutely. And how did the operation go last week?
0: All praise to God.
1: Hallelujah. I prayed for him too and
0: he's doing amazing.
1: Fantastic. And his spirit's up? Absolutely. And your daughter? She's doing well. The Taryn as well? Okay. Good. Mm -hmm. Has she got got back to the meetings? Yes.
2: She was even at
0: church
1: on Sunday. Hallelujah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And Nick, your, your workhouse is going. That's a bit sticky,
3: but it's going. Sticky? <laughs> <laughs> I leave sticky because of the way it's been handed over to me. Okay. And um, Baking had a huge job to take on. And um, the, the book of Baking. But well, it's getting it there. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And Jenny,
0: your health? No, you are right. I'm
1: And Trudy? Chris? Much better. better. And you, Chris, who looks after you?
0: (laughs) The Lord does. The Lord. (laughs) Your mother in law. She does look after us. And again, we get a needle as well. Oh, we love our little bit, really. A, yeah. And I actually forgot that you already put salt in the, in the food. <laughs> <laughs> <need> more salt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But you dotted it with booster sauce. <laughs> that's fantastic. That. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I I that.
3: We get
1: it Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you? Yeah, I'm well, really. God is is, is um, just amazing and faithful mm-hmm. and I appreciate God is, is is one, He can open doors that no man will, will shut and open doors in incredible ways. Um, I actually have quite an incredible testimony and this happened some weeks back, uh, Mike is aware of it. Um, I don't know if you, actually, if you actually know how close I came to dying last year. Yeah. No. I came very close. Uh, the devil tried to, to take me out. I mean literally my whole inside vein on my left leg literally popped out overnight and my leg went from 60 centimetres to 94 centimetres the next day. And they found, you know, five clots, three clots in my leg, in my brain, into my stomach and they found a clot just here, just this far from my lungs and my heart. And yeah, I couldn't wear a shoe for six months. Um, I was immobile and it gave me a big fright, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm so grateful because God got me still got me very still, and he said, now listen, your plans I have for you are much greater. And my plans for you are not in the kitchens, mm-hmm. and are not in that, so it was what had happened is, as you know, mm-hmm. I had started and then went back into the kitchens, and then you guys didn't see me, because that was consuming all, and then God said, no, put a stop to that and ended it. So this last year has been an incredible year. And two weeks ago, um, God told me to have a bath, and I said, okay, I mean, I don't bath, I shower, you know, I'm a guy. And I said, okay, he said to me, go and cut some lavender in the garden, go and put it in the bath, and climb in the bath. So, I got into the bath, I haven't had a bath in maybe ten years, I mean, I shower and I started praying and I don't even know how to describe this but God changed the texture of the water in the bath He breathed His breath into that bath He literally, the water became alive I have never experienced, I didn't know, I mean I thought, I mean I'm quite a scientist, I thought I knew the stages of water but this was living water. This was emotional water. This was liquid love. This was the water that Jesus was walking on and Peter walked on. This is the water that was parted by Moses. This is the glassy sea water that is in heaven. Literally the viscosity of this water changed. And the time, it was at least three hours. But there was no sound from this water. And there was no displacement or resistance. So normally you move yourself through water, there's resistance and and the viscosity of it, and you will feel the pressure of the water. But it was like you cut through like butter, like a hot knife through butter. It was literally, you could go in and out. And I actually had, I recorded the video after a while. I started recording this. I'm like, this is incredible. But God rebuilt the veins in my leg. And literally the skin on my foot and my ankle When I got out, just peeled off, it flaked off like salt. (laughs) Living water. water. Did you pray for him and say, Lord, you just. No, I was just praying. I was just praying, and he just breathed. And it was just like. And they said there was no displacement, no sound. The water became sticky, like velvet, but not like sugary sticky,
0: Mm.
1: but like literally, there was no sound. And if you take your hand out, there was no drips. The viscosity completely changed. This is, this is what scientists cannot. Yeah, this is God's water. And literally, and then after about three hours, it went back to, and then the sound and whatever, it was all normal. But the temperature didn't change. The bath didn't get cold either. Hmm. But it was like being surrounded by His love and living, breathing, restoring healing water. It was like that pools of Bethesda. If we, we think about when the angel used to breathe into the water and the people would get into the water and they'd be healed. This is exactly that kind of experience. So, yeah, God takes yeah. incredible absolutely. glory for
0: them. Sure. So, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let, let's give him some this glory. Is, this is a miracle, right? Yeah, absolutely. This is the a-
1: the supernatural, yeah, it's possible that you would place them, yeah, uh, and yeah, the, de- the devil wanted to sift me as the chaff, yeah, wanted to discard me, and Jesus said, No, and that's for all of us. This is a promise, Jesus says, no. That is pretty much the story of Job. he was destroyed by the correct okay. You may not take his life. You may take his possessions, but you may not take his life. And yet, the Mm -hmm. end result of Job—he was blessed more than ten times than what he first had. Amazing. We serve an incredible God. Mm -hmm. We really do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's pray and give Him some glory and some honor. Mm -hmm. And yeah, really feels like praying. You know, let's just just really just give Him praise. Yeah. Lord, I thank you
0: that we can never, I've seen these things today that I never realized is in my bodies and It lines up with your word and with the temple and even in the holy place, those seven I am's. I've never seen it like that. Lord, thank you for reading these things to us so that we can become more and more like you. Lord, thank you for my brothers and my sisters, especially for Craig as well. Thank you for the time he spent with you, Lord. Thank you for the preparation. And thank you for his willingness to share what you're showing with us. And I really trust you, Lord, that more and more people will come and be enriched by you. So we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for your dealings with each and every one. We are each unique in your sight. And for that, we want to bless you and praise you, Lord, that the God of the universe, that is so big, spend time with each and every one of us. We honor you and we praise you for that. Thank you for that experience of tricard, Lord, with the water and your miraculous power touching his body and restoring. And we thank you and we bless you for that in Jesus' name.
2: Yes. Lord, we thank you that so many can report of you having brought them to a state of healing uh, in our little group here this morning. And we recognise your hand and your omnipotence and your love and your grace. Thank you too that we can be here and for what you have shared with us, uh, what Craig has shared with us, which comes from you. Mm-hmm. We ask that you will entrench it in our thinking, in our minds, and above all, also in our work. And and actions for
1: you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You truly are the God of restoration, Lord. You truly are perfect in every way, Father God. And we thank you, Lord, that through your living, breathing word, you you have given us not only a road map but you've given us a compass to navigate this world and to navigate through the waters and through the challenges through the trials through the sickness through the tribulations lord and that your word will always keep us from stumbling will keep us from those nets and those snares that the enemy tries to lay before our feet to try and distract us to try and get us being busy doing other things
0: Mm.
1: and not bringing glory to you Lord and I'm reminded of the wonderful verse Lord it says seek ye first my kingdom and my righteousness and all things shall be added unto you Lord Mm. and so Lord we seek you we we, we humble ourselves and seek you we seek your face and we know Lord as, as we do this we seek your face We turn from our wicked ways. We call out to you, Lord, to heal our nation, to heal our families, to heal our homes, our communities, Lord, that, Lord, you will hear us from heaven, Lord, and you will answer our prayers because you say the prayer of a faithful and righteous man and woman availeth much and that we need not be anxious for anything but that you will bring a peace that surpasses all understanding into our hearts and our lives, knowing that you are always in control and you never lose control and that your perfect formation of who we are, as we are, every decision that we've made, every decision that we're still about to make. Lord. You've already foreseen it. And you've already written it in your book. So we thank you, Lord, that as we seek your wisdom, your word promises that you will extend the length of our days. And that, Lord, every day that we draw breath will be a day that we can increase your kingdom and increase the light in this world. And let us focus on who has come to this world, not as what what is wrong with the world, but rather that You, Jesus, provide a more excellent way and the only way out. And You are the only source of truth. And You are the way to eternal life and a new covenant, Lord. We give You all the glory, Lord, because without You, none of this would be possible. Without You, this... This meaning, this design, you know, and you designed us so perfectly that we couldn't have even come up with this structure and design. But how your word ties so perfectly and so so unites so intricately with our image that we are made in. So, Lord, let us respect our bodies as we respect and honor you.
3: To us and to everyone, in your presence. Mm. There is no way that any of us can turn and run away from that. Jonah and Many others do thank you. Maybe thank you. Let yes, yes. thank you. Right. thank you. Let me
2: thank you. Let me thank you. Amen. Amen. We worship you, we praise you, we say we love you, we are in awe of your creation. Thank you, Lord, that we could be here this morning. Thank you for what you've taught us. Thank you for the fellowship that we can have together. We ask that you'll go with us as we go our several ways, mm. that you'll use us, Lord, to take the opportunities that you present to us to show others your wonderful gospel, mm. your sacrificial love, and your indwelling presence. Yes, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you
0: so much. Thanks. Once again. Mm. Yeah. Once again, we've got food for the whole